Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. I want to ask you a question. What is your view? And as we go to this next slide, this is what I've been thinking when I was looking at this, this, this lesson. This is the statement that, that, I, that I kind of came up with that I discovered for myself, which is how we treat others is a direct result of how we view them. Makes sense. It's common sense. It's nothing groundbreaking. How we treat others is a direct result of how we view them. But then when we start talking about the lost, when we start talking about difficult people, when we start talking about what we know is a direct command to love one another as Christ loved us, this becomes a whole lot harder to then fulfill. Because we can claim, oh, I view them as someone I should love. I view them as fill in the blank. But in reality, how we treat them is a direct result of how we actually view them. So if you look at this Romans 12 passage, just the first few verses of 14 and 15, it says, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. This next slide will, will show us, this is where we need to have this need for love and empathy. Our need for love and empathy. This is really hard, but this is all goes into how we need to treat others and how we view others. We need to have love for others and empathy for others. This bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them is really hard. Uh, maybe you've, you know what it's like. You've been mistreated before. You've maybe been hurt to, lied, wronged, maybe even persecuted, although we're blessed to live in an area that we don't see the same kind of persecution that many other countries do that many of our maybe friends, that you, if you have friends in those other parts of the world, suffer. But we all understand what it's like to be mistreated. And here, Paul's saying, bless them and don't curse them. That's really hard for me not to, when I see someone who's been mean, someone who's mistreated me, it's really hard for me to wish the best for them. It's really hard for me when they when something bad happens to them to say, ha, ha, now you know what it feels like. It's really hard for me not to have those reactions. But here Paul's saying, you have to bless them. And then again, he repeats it, bless and do not curse them. I'm reminded of Jesus at the cross. When he's being nailed to the cross, he's been lifted up to stand the cross up, and he's looking out to the crowd who mocking him, who are cursing him, who are persecuting him, who, who are saying, come down from the cross if you're truly the son of God. He could have stopped it all. And what does he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's asking for their forgiveness. He's asking God to bless them while they're putting him to death. 
That's love. And we're called to love as Christ loved us. And here's that our need for love and empathy is really boils down to our need to become like Jesus. If we want to be like Jesus, we have to have love and empathy, which kind of is that first 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We need to be rejoicing and weeping in appropriate times. We need to share in those blessings with others, celebrate with others who are celebrating things, but also mourn with those who are mourning. Sometimes I was, I was talking to a, a minister friend of mine. He used this, this phrase, and it's always stuck with me. And it's when we see a group of people who are suffering, sometimes we want to say, well, everybody kind of suffers. What makes them so special? And that's not the right attitude to have at all, but rather the right attitude here, Paul's saying it, to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes rejoicing is necessary, but other times we just need to sit in the ashes with people. We need to sit down and say, I'm just here. I think the Job's friends, they were great friends until they opened their mouths. Uh, they were great, you know, I would say, was it like... 95% of the book is terrible. They're giving them awful advice. They're, they're basically saying, some of them are saying, you've done something awful. Just repent and all this will stop. One of his friends says, you deserve worse. That's a great guy. I mean, they're, they're, they're terrible friends most of the book. But when they first come to Joe, when they see him sitting in, in sackcloth and ashes, they didn't recognize him, but they sat down and it says, no one spoke a word for seven days. Sometimes we just need to mourn with those who are mourning. They were, that was the best thing they did, was just show up and say, I'm here. Actually, they didn't even say, I'm here. They just sat down. They sat down with him and just supported him. See, it's essential for us to, when we love others, to love them enough to celebrate their wins, but also love them enough to mourn with them when they're mourning, even when they may, might be our enemies even when they might be those who are mistreating us. See, Job and his friends, it might have, it's hard to stay silent. I could not be silent for seven days. Uh, that's not possible for me. Uh, um, but for a, for a friend, that would be really hard. But for an enemy, to mourn with them, that takes the love that really we're commanded to have. And I have this down again in my notes, but it, it's so easy for us to look at them and say, now they finally know. Or they got what they deserve. Well, we all deserve death. That's what the, that's what the result of sin really is. And that's, but the attitude of they deserve it is a poor attitude rather than what Paul commands us, what, what God, Jesus commanded, to love others as Christ loved us. Here he's saying, bless them, don't, per don't curse them, rejoice with them, weep with them. Because then we see this next slide again, how we treat others is how we ultimately view them. It's a direct result of how we view others. We can say, oh, I love them. I'm following the commandments. But our, how we treat them, our actions really dictate really what our heart says really what's in our heart. Our next slide says our need for peace. If we keep reading, it says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 
If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And then, beloved, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. This is really hard. This, this seeking unity, this, this need for peace. But again, if we want to be like Jesus, not just kind of look like him. We can fake things all day long. If we want to become more like Jesus, be transformed, we need to have our need for love and empathy is essential, but also our need for peace. See, disunity, strife, arguments gets us nowhere, especially within the church, but also within our community, within the lost world, within the, those who don't know Jesus. If we're always looking for a fight, if we're looking for an argument, and then looking to win the argument, then we're going to lose. Rather than looking to save souls. See, here Paul says, live in harmony with one another. Oftentimes we think, well, that's talking about the church. Well, if you look at kind of the context, the first half of this chapter was really about each other. The second half is how to get along with the world. He starts off with saying what? Bless those who persecute you. And then he goes, live in harmony with one another. He's not talking about the church. He's talking about with those who are persecuting you. So how can we live in harmony with those who mistreat us? How can we live in harmony with the world when they live completely opposite to the way we've been commanded to? Well, I think it goes back to, we see in verse 3, the same kind of mindset, which actually was the last sermon uh, I, I taught on, when he says, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So we see this kind of parallel, this, this link back to the beginning of the chapter where he says, it's not about you. Don't make it about you. Don't think you're better than you really are. Notice he says, do not be haughty in verse 16, right after saying, live in harmony. He says, don't be arrogant. Don't think, it's all, don't think you're more important than anyone else. In fact, he said, but associate with the lowly. He didn't say, hey, the world says it's all about you. So in order for you to be successful, you got to rub elbows with the right people. You got to network. We were, I was told, the importance of networking a long time ago. Find out who can influence you, who has the powers, because when the time comes, if you know the right people, you can get out of any hole. If you know the right people, you can get any job. If you know the right people, you can do this. It's all about rubbing the elbows. But here Paul says, be like Jesus, and focus on those who are maybe lower than you. Those who, who aren't considered the ideal networking partner. Who aren't considered someone that they can benefit you. See, if we're going to invest in others, we have to actually invest in others. If we invest in others to expect something back, that's not love. That, 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 that's, that's actually networking. That, that would be maybe even manipulation, politicking. But if we're going to show love and in investing in others like Jesus did, we have to not be haughty. It says, never be wise in your own sight. Yes, that reminds me of Proverbs when Solomon, the wisest man, said, hey, you don't know everything, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All these parallels are, are kind of linking together for our need for peace, our need to live in harmony with one another. So then the question remains, 
if how we treat others is how a direct result of how we view them, do we actually want the lost to be a part of us? That next slide real quick. Do we want the lost to actually be a part of us? Do we want the people around us to join us in our mission to serve God? Or do we look at those around us and say, they're just different. They would bring in a bad dynamic to our group. Or do we see them as the lost souls they are and say, we can all be united under Christ. We can all be united under Christ. This verse 18 is, is every time I, I read verse 18, I hear my, my mom's voice. This live as far as possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I have a love-hate relationship with this verse because it just brings back memories to when I was getting in trouble for being mean to my sister. And I would be, but I would be always, you know, always, always, you know. Sometimes I, I would be returning it. I would just be, you know, I didn't start it. And I'll say, but, but she did, and I'd always get back. I don't care what she did. And then my mom would quote this verse. I'm like, but you don't understand. You know, she hurt me and I had to, I had to get it back. She goes, no, no, that's not what this says. Every single time this verse was quoted, because the human nature in us doesn't want to just take all the beating. We want to at least give it back. But again, Jesus on the cross endured all that pain. He could have stopped it all, and he said, Father, forgive them. Here we're told to not seek, you know, what in verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable. And then that next verse about living peaceably, our need for peace, despite those who are persecuting us. Again, this is not about the church here. It's about those outside, how we're dealing with them. Those who are giving us, who are showing evil toward us, we're told, you don't win by giving evil back. You win by serving them, which is, two slides later, our need for serving others. Yeah, our need to serve others. This is really hard because, again, the world tells us it's all about you. It's all about how you can maneuver yourself to be in a position to raise yourself up to that next level, climbing the ladder of success. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful unless it gets in our way of serving others and being like Jesus. If the ladder of success becomes an idol to us, then that's a problem. But here Paul's saying, serve one another. Notice he just finished by saying live peaceably. He just mentioned not getting revenge. And then in verse 20, he says, but to the contrary. He goes, but here's how you really need to act. He's talked about love and empathy. He's talked about being peaceable. And then he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, if I stop there, I'm like, sweet. I can hurt them by being nice. I like it. That's not what Paul's really getting at. He's not saying, oh, you really want to hurt them? Here's really how to hurt them. His point is, you're going to serve them because it's going to, they're going to feel uncomfortable, but the end goal is to bring glory to God. The end goal isn't to hurt the, them. The end goal isn't to make them know what it feels like. The end goal is to serve them. Notice, your enemy is hungry, feed him. You're not doing anything to hurt him. You're just not giving them what they want, which is to you to be you know, evil in return. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. This whole service attitude 
is what Jesus did his whole ministry. He served those who were lower than him, which is everyone, because he's God. He, he came to serve, not to be served. He laid down his life for, for many, but he also healed them. He provided food for them. He met their physical and spiritual needs his whole ministry. And here, Paul's reminding us, don't seek revenge. Don't repay evil for evil. But here's how you're going to be successful in dealing with those who are persecuting you, dealing with those who are mistreating you. Just overcome evil with good. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And we do that by serving one another. See, it's easy for us to treat those who are nice, nice. It's easy to to repay someone in kindness who's always been kind to me. But when you ask them to do that to someone who's who's mistreating me, that's, that's a whole new level of love. But if you go to that next slide, it really comes down to how we treat others is a direct result of how we view them. So then the question remains, how do we view those outside the church? Do we view them as our enemy who needs to be destroyed, who needs to be defeated? Or do we view them as lost souls who need Jesus? Do we view them as, hey, they're not living the way God commanded, so they are an enemy of, of God at this point, but we also know that, you know, James says that, but we also know that God loves them and desires all men to be saved. Do we have that same desire? Do we have the desire that God has for all men to be saved to come to the knowledge of truth? Because how we treat them is the direct result of how we view them. We can say all day long we care about the lost. We can say all day long, we're, we're praying for them, we want them to know Jesus. But if we're not treating them with love, empathy, a need for peace, and a need for serving, and then showing that by serving them, I challenge that statement. I challenge how we really view them. Because if we're treating them as someone who needs, people who need to be destroyed, maybe, or overcome, as a problem rather than people who just need Jesus, then we really have a problem with looking at them as souls. So here's just three quick things, and then we'll wrap it up. This is hopefully how we can treat them. Because I don't like to give a problem and say, oh, I'll figure it out. So there's three quick things. Is One, we have to remember that everyone has a soul. When we look at those, we have to remember they're just like you and me. The only difference is we hold the truth, and we're walking in the light. Let's not hide the light. You know the little, the little song, you know, this little light of mine, but some of us are covering up that light. Some of us are actually saying, hey, I'll shine the light for this person, but not for this person because they're too dark. They're, they're, they're too evil. They wouldn't listen anyway. Well, no, our light's supposed to shine for everyone. Everyone has a soul. Everyone has a desire but then, again, that sharing the desire for them to be saved. And maybe that takes prayer. Maybe that takes working on the humility by saying, I'm going to start thinking of all the positive things about these people. I mean, I'm going to start praying for this person instead of focusing on how angry you are or how hurt you are. But just asking God to bless them. But then I, this one is the main point is we have to find a way to share the love of God. See, we've been given the love of God with the commandment to share the love that we've been given. But too often we hold 
hold on to God's love and say, ah, oh, I like it, but this is mine. Well, no, we've been given love to then pass it on to others and lead others to the cross so they can have the forgiveness that we have, so they can have the hope of eternal life that we have. But we have to view them as souls that need Jesus and as people that we need to share our story with. And as I said, our story, it's really not our story. Uh, it's, there's a great book called Epic. Uh, I really enjoy that book. It's a really short read. You can finish it in like an hour and a half, maybe if you're a slow reader. But it, it's, a, it's a great book talking about how we are all really characters in God's story. See, God's story is that he loved you and me enough to send his son on the earth despite our sin so we could be reunited with him. But he did that for everyone. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So share, your, share maybe your personal story within the story of God. How has God impacted you? How has he changed your life? If you don't know how God has changed your life, then maybe he hasn't done that yet. Maybe you haven't been transformed yet. Although transformation is never an accomplished thing, it's an ongoing thing, maybe we need to be transformed more. But if we share how we've been changed, if we share how God has loved us, what he's done for us, and how that's impacted us, and share that story, and share that with even those who persecute us, we'll be treating them in a way that's full of love, empathy, with the goal of peace by serving them. Then we can say we actually love them. Then we can actually say we view them how Christ views them, how God views them. And that says people who need a savior. So this last slide is, what's your view? Do you need to, to fix your perspective? Maybe you need to fix your perspective with you. Maybe you, you, you haven't accepted the call to become a child of God. You haven't been buried in the waters of baptism to be raised a new creation to walk in newness of life. But maybe you have done that and you're struggling with then saying, I've been changed. I've been a new creation, God's done all these wonderful things for me and share the love that you've received so that they can share the promise that we have to be with him forever. Whatever your need is, please come now while we stand and sing. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Hagleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.